0: Good evening and welcome to sports talk on a budget on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. It is September 27th year of our Lord 2023, almost at the end of September, almost the first full month of football out is out of the way. This year is going by super crazy, but obviously a lot of things are going on in football, both college and pro a lot of things to talk about. Let's not waste any time. Thank you for watching and listening. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and any podcast stations you uh, listen on. But like I said, let's go ahead and dive into the show. So uh, first topic of the day, we're going to do my week three NFL reaction, going to look at a couple of teams and uh, just break down the situation for them and what's the opportunities going forward and just what if there is any hope kind of going forward Two teams that did not have a good weekend, let's just say on Sunday, going to look at them and see exactly what they need to do going forward and if there needs to be a change at the top or at some positions as well. Then my week four college football reaction, going to also look at a couple of teams, but just look at college football the whole as a whole. Basically, there's one team that really I don't think is getting enough love and enough credit for how well they're playing and how well their quarterback is playing right now. I will go over that team and then again, Notre Dame in a big game, a big primetime game against a big time opponent, a big time opponent comes up short. I'm going to go over whether I, whether I think uh, Notre Dame has an opportunity to still make the playoff or kind of salvage their season and what kind of path do they have to make a playoff or even kind of a New Year's Six Bowl as well. And then, as always, during football season, I'll end my show with my uh, my picks. So it'll be my week four NFL picks and my week five college football picks. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the show. So as I mentioned, the first topic is going to be my week three NFL reaction, but I kind of wanted to just highlight two teams Two teams, like I said, that did not have a good weekend and um, there might need to be some changes or uh, maybe just some shuffling up at the top. We're going to go ahead and start with the New York Jets. The Jets, at this point, I know what happened to them in the beginning of the season with Aaron Rodgers' injury. Only played four plays. That was awful and that was gut-wrenching. And that, that shouldn't have been the end of their season. The season shouldn't have ended on the fifth play of the season for the Jets. But what happened with the Jets this past offseason is they made it their entire agenda, their entire offseason agenda, was to make sure that they got Aaron Rodgers. And they, did, they, they moved heaven and earth to do it by hiring Nathaniel Hackett, who just got fired as the Broncos uh, head coach, as their offensive coordinator, by getting guys like Alan Lazard, um, Randall Cobb, Tim Boyle as a third-string quarterback, who's now the backup quarterback, guys that... Aaron Rodgers is friends with. he's buddies with guys that he wants to play with. The only problem is is those moves would have been fine, and you can kind of not worry about those moves if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. But Zach Wilson's your quarterback now. And Zach Wilson has no business being a starting quarterback in the NFL. He just doesn't. We've seen enough. This is his third season. It, it should have been done last year. We've seen enough out of Zach Wilson. He has very he doesn't really have a feel for the game. You can see he lacks confidence and he just doesn't see the field. I mean, he's making throws two seconds too late, and in the NFL, two seconds too late, either gets intercepted or just goes incomplete and it just doesn't look good. If if any of you were watching the game on Sunday, of course I was, because the Jets are playing the Patriots. Tony Romo was breaking it down almost every single play, saying, Hey, you need to get this ball out here. You need to get this ball out now. And Zach Wilson's holding it for an extra second, an extra second and a half, and then missing the throw or just taking a sack. He he has no feel for the game right now. He has no feel. He is not an NFL starting quarterback. I'd argue that if he's even a serviceable backup at this point, because what we've seen from Zach Wilson, we haven't seen any growth. He started off his first couple of games were probably the best games he, he's had as a professional. And then after that, he's tailed off. He's 0-5 against the Patriots. That was their 15th straight loss. So it's seven and a half seasons since the New York Jets have beaten the Patriots. And there was opportunities to be had. That was not a good game played by my Patriots. That was not a good win by my Patriots. I'll take it because it's better than to be 1-2 and than 0-3. But Zach Wilson had opportunity after opportunity. He did lead them on that late touchdown drive. But other than that, he was anemic the entire game. And you could tell it started to take its toll on the sideline. This is the second week in a row that we've seen him and Garrett Wilson kind of get into it on the sideline. And now there's rumblings from some, some reporters up there in New York that the defense isn't happy and that they're saying that, hey, if we were playing as bad as Zach Wilson is, would we still be on the field? And they have a point. Any other position other than quarterback, that probably would be the case. And here's the thing. They don't have a decent, even a serviceable backup in Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle is a guy who probably shouldn't be in a backup quarterback, maybe not even a a practice squad quarterback in the NFL. He played three years at UConn where he had one touchdown and 13 interceptions. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's just a mind-boggling stat. And then he went, I think he played division two somewhere and lit it up. And that's how he got into the NFL. He went undrafted, but walked on. And then he was at green Bay and was a buddy of Aaron Rodgers, And that is pretty much the only reason why he's on the New York jets and why he's still in the NFL, because the only way he was going to stay in the NFL was, was that. And so, like I said, they set themselves up for failure with going all in for Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of people were talking going into the season about the New York jets saying, Oh, they have a ton of weapons. Well, at receive they're receiving weapons outside of Garrett Wilson. Alan Lazard's there two, he's a 3 at best. He's a 3 wide receiver at best. Randall Cobb's probably their 3. He's a guy that probably should have retired 2 years ago. Uh, what is it? Tyler Conklin's their tight end. He's a number 2 tight end at best and probably a better blocking than receiving tight end. And then they do have good running backs in Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. The only problem is they have no offensive line and their best offensive lineman Dwayne Brown is on the IR and probably won't play again for a while. So if you don't have an offensive line, I don't care how good your running backs are. They're going to be limited. And Dalvin Cook, we knew that no one in the league was touching him, and maybe people knew something we didn't. He's looked okay, and then Brees Hall's returning from an ACL injury. So that burst wasn't, isn't the same that it was before the ACL injury when he was a rookie last year. So the cupboard is pretty bare right now for the, for the Jets on offense, and their defense is stout but their defense is on the field a lot more basically than any other defense in the entire NFL. And after a while, that's going to take its toll. Not only are you going to eventually give up yards and points, but being on the field that much can lead to more injury opportunities. And if they lose guys like CJ Mosley or Quentin Williams or Sauce Gardner, they're done. I mean, I think they're done already, but they're done. They picked up Trevor Simeon yesterday. i probably think he'll be the starter eventually maybe in a couple of weeks once he learns the playbook he's not great but he's a hell of a lot better than zach wilson and that's that's not someone that's going to lead them to the playoffs or anything but it's a hell of a lot better than zach wilson but they need to make a move and they need to kind of make sure that he gets in there soon because the locker room's about to quit on this team and they play in probably the toughest division in football just look at the way miami and uh, Buffalo are playing and the Patriots have been in every single game that they've played, including against Miami and against the Eagles, two three and O teams and two teams at the top of the sport right now. So their division's tough and they could go. Oh, and six in the, this division. And it wouldn't surprise me. Well, one in five, they did win the Monday night game in the opener against um, the Buffalo bills, but they could lose out in this division going forward. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. And in fact, that's kind of what I think is going to happen going forward. So we'll see if Trevor Simeon what he can do, but, I don't think that's the answer there, but you got to get him in as soon as you can because Zach Wilson is not the answer. And now you bring in the Chiefs, who are finally starting to get it going again on the offensive side on Sunday night. So that's a that's a tall order for the Jets. I don't see that ending well. Let's move over to the Denver Broncos, another team in kind of disarray, and another team that just lost seventy to twenty to the Miami Dolphins. Yes, seventy. Gave up the most points in the NFL since 1966. 1966 was the year the Super Bowl was created. That's how long it's been since someone scored 70 points in an NFL game, and the Broncos just gave that up. And that's kind of where you see the Broncos are on a similar situation than the Jets, but at least the Jets have a decent defense. The Broncos' defense is awful. The Broncos' defense is flat awful. Giving up 70 points, they're allowing um, their last in points per game, their last in yards per game allowed. Now, I know that's kind of inflated because of this last game, but they gave up 38 points the week before to Sam Howell and the Commanders. Yes, the first week they only gave up 17 points, but they lost. They lost. So this Broncos team, yes, it's not all Russell Wilson. A lot of people are trying to put it at the feet of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense and give up seven touchdowns. Yes, he hasn't played great. He's played better than he was last year, but it's very vanilla. Like, their offense is very vanilla. It doesn't look like a Sean Payton offense. It's very short passes, dink and dunk. Now, I know they did that a lot with Drew Brees, but there's just nothing there. And unlike the Jets, they actually have a decent a decent receiving core. When you have Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you have Marvin Mims, the rookie out of, out of Oklahoma, and then Javante Williams out of the backfield. And their offensive line isn't bad either, but they just don't have any juice. I think um, it seems like Russell Wilson just doesn't have the deep ball throw anymore. He doesn't have that arm strength anymore. That's kind of one of the first things to go as you get older as an NFL quarterback is you're not able to make those deep throws or at least make them on a consistent basis. And that's when you kind of become a more check down, dink and dunk kind of uh, quarterback. And you have to when you when you become that kind of quarterback, you have to operate at a, just a high level of consistency and accuracy to be able to do that at a high level and win. Tom Brady was able to do that for basically the last half of his career, and he was able to win and and do that consistently at a high level. Russell Wilson's not Tom Brady, and that's no one thought he was. No one thought he is, but he's not able to do that right now at a consistent level. His athleticism isn't as good as it used to be either, so yes, it's not Russell Wilson's fault. He's incredibly limited, but the defense is the problem here. But the pro- the bigger problem is, where do they get their defensive players from? They're going to have to hit in the draft. This Broncos team is going to have to hit in the draft because of all the money that they're giving to Russell Wilson. And his cap hit gets higher next year and then the following year, not to mention the draft picks they gave up to get him as well. So they're going to have to hit on the draft picks that they do have and then maybe see if they can get some veteran players on cheap that can kind of help develop the rookies. But they've kind of handcuffed themselves a little bit with that Russell Wilson trade. They went all in last year with Russell Wilson. They thought they had the team. They were just missing a quarterback. Turns out that wasn't the case. And turns out it wasn't just a Nathaniel Hackett problem. Nathaniel Hackett was 2-1 and one last year to start the season. It didn't look good at all, but he was at least 2-1. and one. They're 0-3 with just a bleak outlook right now now they play the bronco they play the bears this week so they might be able to get their first victory but that's not a huge victory and it just gets tougher after that they play in a tough division too with the chiefs and the chargers they've already lost at home to the raiders so now their next game against the raiders will be in vegas so it's kind of a bleak outlook for the denver broncos the steps forward are tough because they're kind of handcuffed with that contract. Like I said, they're going to have to hit with most of their draft picks and see if they can develop them and turn them into starters in the um, defense in the NFL. But it's probably going to be a long year this year for the uh, for the Broncos. My Bronco fans out there, I'm sorry to say that, but it looks like it's going to be a long year. That's no news to you. You've watched the first 3 games, you know it is. Let's go ahead and move on to my second topic and that is going to be my week 4 college football reaction. And like I said, going into this, there's a team out there right now that isn't getting the credit or the love or is just kind of starting to get the credit and the love that they deserve. And that is the Washington Huskies. The Washington Huskies have just been putting it to people so far this year. They have looked unbelievable so far this year. And Michael Penix Jr., their quarterback. Now, I'm a USC fan. You see the hat behind me. I'm a USC fan. And I think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country. And most people agree with that. But as of right now, September 27th, Michael Penix Jr. should be the leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman Trophy. He's played the best so far this year. They're averaging about 32.5 points per game. I'm sorry. They've beat teams by an average of 32.5 points per game. They have won their games by an average of 32.5 points is what I mean to say. And every single team they've played has at least two wins. So, yeah, they haven't played the cream of the crop, but they've played teams that were able to get victories in other places. Boise states two and two, even Michigan states two and two. Uh, Cal is two and two. And then um, uh, Tulsa, another team they played is two and two. Like I said, it's not the cream of the crop, but they're beating them by 32 and a half points. And basically by the middle of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, Michael Panix has played like a handful of plays in the fourth quarter because they've put teams away in the first three quarters. and that's what great teams do. Great teams don't just beat teams that they're supposed to beat. They cover the spread and they beat them down so they make sure that they can start getting their backups in and starting to develop them and rest their starters. That's what great teams in college football do. Alabama used to do that for years. They would play these inferior teams and they would make sure that they would put them away by the third quarter. Don't let them hang around. Don't let them get kind of any kind of momentum or any kind of hope. And basically, by the third quarter, their starters are on the bench and they're playing their second string. And their second string is probably still putting up points. So and this this team here, uh, this Washington team, is just they're, they're legit. They're averaging over 400 yards passing per game. Michael Penix is now averaging over 50 points per game right now as well. And they have two three legit nfl wide receivers roma dunze is a stud and maybe the second best wide receiver in the country behind marvin harrison jr but he's actually playing better than marvin harrison jr is right now marvin harrison kind of had the injury and just been a little inconsistent that's probably due to quarterback play either way he's been the best wide receiver in the country so far so this washington team the sky's the limit but It's going to be difficult for them because they play in the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 isn't easy this year. They're going to have to play USC. They're going to travel to USC, actually. They're going to have to play uh, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, in the Apple Cup. That doesn't look like a walk in the park anymore. So it's going to be a difficult uh, year for them. But it's something that I think that they're able to do. And I think that they're able to kind of uh, navigate. They have the team to do that. Kalen DeBoer is an underrated coach for them as their head coach. So it'll be interesting to see. The Pac-12 is loaded this year, so it'll be a lot of fun to see who they end up going up against most of the time. But this Washington team is loaded, and they're definitely one of the best teams in the country and deserve a little bit more credit and a little more spotlight as well. And then we'll go um, and move on to the biggest game of this past weekend, and that was Notre Dame and Ohio State. And Notre Dame, another opportunity. comes down. I know it came down to the last second, but you still... Couldn't win one of these games. It just seems to be the case with Notre Dame. They go up against a big opponent. It's prime time. It's Ohio State. It's Clemson in the playoff. It's Alabama in the playoff. It's Ohio State last year. It's just time after time after time, and they come up short. They just come up short. When is going to be the time that Notre Dame gets that signature win? And everybody's like, okay, they're for real. They're legit. They're national title contenders. I don't know. And you look at the rest of their schedule. Clemson isn't doing them any favors. Clemson is a team that's uh, uh, lost twice already. So their best game going forward to get their best kind of showing is going to be USC in November. They need to win against USC at home if they have any chance of maybe squeaking back into the playoffs. Duke this week on the road is not going to be an easy test for them. That'll be a tough game with game day there. So that'll be another tough game. Obviously, if they lose this weekend at Duke, they're done. So... The path to the playoff is, it's a little bleak for Notre Dame. It's not impossible, but it's a little bleak. They'll need some help from Ohio State as well. See if Ohio State can keep winning, beat Michigan, beat Penn State, bolster their resume, that'll look look—that'll make uh, Notre Dame look better. This is a team I thought was improved and I think is improved. Sam Hartman's the best quarterback they've had basically since Brady Quinn, in my opinion. Uh their defense played really well against this Notre, this Ohio State team. They can run the ball. They have a good offensive line and a good offensive front. The question for me for them is always just going to be, can they finally get one of those signature wins? Can they finally get one of those signature wins? They weren't able to do that, obviously, on Saturday night. And those opportunities are kind of going away a little bit, and they need to take advantage of one of those opportunities soon, or else... It's not going to be good, and they're going to miss another playoff. And they're a team that I think could contend against a lot of teams in college football this year, but it just seems to be the thing with Notre Dame over the last you know, 10 to 15 years. They can't get them – so actually over 20 years at this point. They can't get over the hump, and when they go up against top-level teams like Ohio State, like Clemson, like Alabama, you name it. I know they hammered Clemson last year, but I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson Clemson teams they just can't they can't compete and they're not they're not at that level. They lost to Georgia a couple of years ago as well. They're just not at that level. There's an opportunity and a path for them. They will probably need some help to get back in playoff contention, but it's going to take another big victory at home against a USC team that is going to be able to score points. Can they score points against a team like that? That I don't know that'll remain to be seen, but I have obviously I have my doubts and I'm a little skeptical. But Let's go ahead and move to my final part of the show, and that is going to be my picks. We'll start with my week four NFL picks. We're going to start with tomorrow night's game, and that is the Lions at the Packers. And the Lions are currently a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I like the Lions to go into Green Bay and win. Listen, they were able to do that in week 17 last year when, and the last week of the season last year when the Packers still had something to play for and they had nothing to play for. So I don't think they're scared at all. Aaron Rodgers isn't there anymore. They've uh, they just won last week. The um, the Lions did. I love the way they're playing. They're playing with confidence. Jared Goff is playing really well. So go ahead and give me the Lions minus one and a half in this game. And then we'll move to the best game of the weekend, and that's going to be the Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills are currently a two and a half point favorite. I just think this Miami team's humming right now, and I don't know anybody that can really slow down that offense. Now they're obviously going to score seventy on. The Buffalo Bills, but I think they'll still be able to score. This might get into a shootout a little bit, but give me the Dolphins on the road plus two and a half. This is a good time to play Buffalo. It's not cold. It's September. It's not going to be cold. It'll probably be really nice, a lot cooler than what it would be in Miami. So I think the Dolphins can go in there and get a victory, but definitely cover. So give me the Dolphins plus two and a half in this game. And then we'll move to another good, sneaky, good game. We have the Ravens at the Browns, and the Browns are currently a two and a half point favorite. Now the Browns have probably the best defense that nobody is talking about right now. The Browns defense is legit. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, even Jadavian are not Jadavian Clowney. Um, they just signed a guy from the uh from the Packers and the Vikings that, that just um, entered their team. He's playing really well. They're looking like a legit defense and a legit threat in that division, especially with what's going on with the Bengals. I like this Browns team to win at home and cover. I think they're just better than this Ravens team. And this Ravens team has a ton of injuries just banged up all over the place. So go and give me the Browns minus two and a half in this game to win and cover. And then we have the Rams at the Colts and the Colts. And the Colts are a one and a half point favorite in this game. The Colts got the best win of this past weekend on the road in Baltimore in overtime with their backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Looks like Richardson will be back. But I like this Colts team, whether it's Richardson or Minshew at quarterback. This Rams team, I think um, they really need Cooper Cup back. Nakua and Atwell were good stories early on in the season, but teams are starting to figure them out, and they're just not at the level of a Cooper Cup. So I, just, I don't like the Rams short week in Indianapolis. I just don't like their chances this weekend. So give me the Colts minus one and a half to win and cover. And then we have the Bucks at the Saints, and the Saints are currently a three-point favorite in this game. Now the biggest question for the Saints is the status of Derek Carr. Because they were up seventeen nothing with their car and or up sixteen nothing with their car and then end up losing seventeen to sixteen in that game against the Packers. So you could see the drop off. That you could see, Jameis Winston obviously isn't a starting level quarterback in this league anymore. This Buccaneers team got pushed around, but they got pushed around by the Eagles on Monday night. Maybe the best team in the NFC and one of the best teams in the NFL. This Saints team's not going to push them around like that. I think the Bucs can go in there and potentially get a victory, but I definitely think they cover. So give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three in New Orleans. Now let's move to my week four college football picks. Not as stacked a weekend as last weekend was, but still a very good weekend. We have our Friday night game is number 10, Utah, and number 19, Oregon State. And Oregon State's a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Oregon State's reeling a little bit coming off of that loss on the road in Pullman against Washington State. And then Utah, I've given up on what the status is for Cam Rising. I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he'd play on a short week after not playing on Saturday against the uh, UCLA Bruins. But this Utah team just finds ways to get victories. Their defense is stout as hell. Johnson is getting better at quarterback. They're going to be able to move the ball a little bit, but I think they'll slow down and maybe turn over DJ Uyungole as well. So... I like Utah to cover in this game, so give me Utah plus three and a half, and they could probably win the game outright as well. Then we got number 22, Florida, at Kentucky, and undefeated, a 4-0 Kentucky, and Kentucky's a one-point favorite in this game. I like Kentucky. Devin Leary's their new quarterback to transfer from NC State. I think they're just a better offensive team. Defenses are probably pretty even. Graham Mertz has played better, and that running game has been better with Etienne's little brother, but I just like this Kentucky team on the um at home with Florida on the road. Florida has not been the same team on the road as they have been at home. Different environment when you go on the road. Kentucky is a team that always wants to beat Florida and always plays up for Florida. So, give me Kentucky -1 to win and cover. Then we have number 24 Kansas at number 3 Texas, and Texas is a 16 and a half point favorite. I think Texas wins but give me Kansas to cover. Jalen Daniels is one of the best kind of not talked about quarterbacks in the entire country. Texas likes to mess around every now and then and leave and let teams stay close. And I think Kansas hangs around for long enough to get the cover. So go ahead and give me Kansas plus 16 and a half in this game. And then we got number 13, LSU, two and a half point favorite at number 20, Ole Miss. I like LSU in this game. Ole Miss, I just don't know if they're going to be able to block well enough for Jackson Dart to give him enough time. They didn't play well all on the road at Alabama last week. LSU seems to have gotten their act together on offense, although they let Arkansas hang around all week last week at home. I still like this LSU team, just better players. Jane Daniels, I think is just a little bit step better than Jackson Dart. Give me LSU minus two and a half on the road in, at the Grove in um, Oxford to win and cover. So LSU minus two and a half in this game. And then we'll go ahead and finish off. We have Notre Dame again, and that's Notre 11 Notre Dame, five and a half point favorites at Duke, a 4-0 undefeated Duke with the win to open the season against Clemson. For me, I don't know. If you're Notre Dame, how do you respond after that loss where you pretty much have the game at hand all the way down to the final second? How do you respond? I don't know how they respond, but... I think this Duke team with Riley Leonard, who's probably going to be a a first or second round pick in the NFL draft this coming year, is a good enough team to challenge this Notre Dame team to at least cover. They play well on offense. They play pretty good defense. How does Notre Dame respond after last week? Give me Duke plus 5.5 in this game. Maybe not win, but at least cover, so Duke plus 5.5 is the play. So that has been my show. Thank you for watching. This is Sports Talk on a Budget, of course. You can find this on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or if if you prefer the video version, please go ahead and watch, subscribe, and like, or comment if you'd like as well on my YouTube channel. Thank you for watching and have a great day.